I look at it individually each tournament. How can I go out and be the best version of myself and go win this event? And then you look at it afterwards and you go, what did I do wrong? What can I get better at? What did I do right and want to continue doing? And then from there, you know, how do we implement those changes or those fixes into the next week? We appreciate you joining us, Grace. And as far as your background, we know that you played college golf at Auburn and you've played on the PGA Tour Latin America. But before we kind of get into that information, let's kind of start from the beginning and see. Tell us about how you got into the game of golf. I started playing golf. I I was kind of a late bloomer. Um, Started playing golf when I was a freshman in high school. Um, before that I had kind of just done multiple sports, bounced around, played some different things. Um, I was really big into tennis kind of in middle school, but my family has always had a golf background. And so that kept me kind of, I had played golf before I knew what was going on. You know, I knew the game, uh, we would go out with my dad, you know, and play nine holes or whatever, but I never really like played competitively or really put effort into it until about freshman year of high school. And so that kind of led into, you know, I, it was, it was kind of funny. I, I won my division in state that year uh, for the 14 year olds, got the little trophy and whatnot. And my parents always tell me that they thought it was a blessing and a curse because I didn't practice or do anything and I won. And so they're like, he's going to think this is way too easy and he's not going to work as hard. But then they were also kind of excited because my, my dad had played and, and I had family ties to it. So, you know, there, there was a lot of kind of family background in it. But that kind of spurred me into starting to play high school golf and um, kind of start traveling and playing in the AJGAs and, and doing all that as a junior golfer and really kind of trying to put the brand out there, which ultimately kind of led me to Auburn and, and you know, moving on with my career. I think it's important to note that, you know, you grew up in I. Idaho and uh, it obviously gets really cold up there and so you know with the combination of starting late and uh, not having the winter months to practice you must have really made really good use of those summer months to get really really good practice in and it seems like you got really good really quick so what were some of the things that you know got you to Auburn in just those three short years yeah no good question um, one of the things about I think Idaho, that's kind of a misnomer is that we could basically almost play for about probably about eight to nine months of the year. So we really only had three that were kind of rough. And in those three years, it was just really where where Boise sits, it's kind of high desert. So we don't get a lot of rain. It just gets cold. And then if it snows, um, it might be on the ground for a week or a week and a half, but most of the time it, it doesn't snow more than like a couple inches a year. So as far as like, you know, Midwest or, you know, you know, Northeast or any of those kind of areas where it's just eight feet of snow, we didn't really get that. Now the mountains got a lot of snow, um, but you know, down in the valleys, most of the time it was okay. That being said, I mean, there was multiple days that I went out and practice and it was uh, rain gear, jeans, long johns, and then, you know, a beanie and a lot of hand warmers. It, it definitely was not easy um, by any means. I was blessed with also a, a dad who kind of pushed me to, to travel and play and do a lot of tournament golf. And so we would travel a lot. And I also was blessed to be kind of in a private Christian school that they allowed me to miss a lot of school. So I would also, again, travel a lot during the winter and play in tournaments. Um, it took me a while, you know, starting late, I didn't really get into the AJGAs or the big events you know, until maybe junior or senior year of high school. So I just kind of found whatever I could play in, whether that was down in Vegas or, you know, down in California or just wherever we could travel to. And sometimes even that meant going over to kind of Oregon or Washington because they don't necessarily get snow where you can't play. It just gets a lot of rain and it's cold. So it was a lot of miserable golf rounds, but it definitely built and kind of distilled that, you know, that, that want of just kind of, 
if I'm going to be out there and practicing and doing this and, and putting my attention to it, um, you know, you have to be diligent with what you're doing. I also think that there's a lot of ways that tennis prepared me um, for tournament aspects of golf, you know, that because I played competitively and, and did a lot of things. And so that helped put me in a mode where it gave me some tools that I could use also on, on a quicker scale. So what were some of those tools like that you used um, from tennis? Well, I just, you know, with tennis, one thing that we always did was um, I was, when I was practicing and playing and, and growing up, I spent a lot of time, uh, my dad was always big and waking up early. And so, you know, if I had friends over or people over, whatever, all the way through high school until I left the house to go to college, it basically was, you know, about 6 a.m. We always got up, we always got woken up and kind of going through it. But in doing that, it kind of, you know, growing up that way, I got a lot of things done in the morning, um, just spent a lot of extra time. And there was times where like playing tennis in middle school, I was out with um, my coach at like 536 in the morning, just working on stuff. Now, tennis is crazy because if you're not, if you're not like the best tennis player by the age of like 15, you probably don't have a shot of playing because it's just, it's so hard um, and, and going through it. But that kind of idea that I really had to focus and go through it, plus a little bit of the push from my parents just to kind of stay on track, you know, and it wasn't always easy. Um, I, I wanted to go, I, I enjoy being around friends and, and family and people. So I wanted to go to the lake and do this and do that, but, you know, or go skiing or whatever. And sometimes you just, you know, I had to go practice and do some stuff and, and it kind of, it's kind of that idea of like you put in the work ahead of time to reap the rewards later on. Um, so, you know, having that understanding of like, I'm doing the work now so that later it's going to come out, but you know, it, there's just so many different, everybody's kind of different in that aspect, I feel like. And, you know, I could point out a bunch of different things that I did and tools, but you know, like, there's some guys I know that they spent all their years hitting balls. They were better than me in, in high school and they played a little bit better than me in college, but you know, right out of college, they decided to not, not turn pro or go do something. So it really is kind of finding that balance too, with everything, kind of finding what works best for you. Well, you found some things that worked well for you. We kind of talked about it. You know, you said I didn't start playing competitive tournament golf until I was a freshman and we kind of glossed over your high school career, but the come up that you had in that period of time, most golfers don't experience, you know, most of the time that you're going to play at an SEC school, SEC school, you've played like since you were very young and you have been one of the best at every age. You getting started as a freshman is a little late to get started in the competitive golf world under normal circumstances. And instead, you got started then and you won the AGGA Will Claxton Invitational, I think. And then I think you also won another one, the Ping Phoenix Junior. So playing in AGGAs, starting late is impressive. And then winning AGGAs when starting late is also impressive. What do you attribute that you know, growth in skill that happened over a pretty short period of time to? Yeah, that's a good question. One of the things that I was blessed with, and and it's kind of crazy, but um, I had a really good high school team. All five guys that I played with, they ended up going Division One somewhere. Some, you know, not big name schools, but they all, you know, went to a D one program, and they played college golf for most of them, um, at least four years. So, kind of went through a full, you know, full seasons of trying to play and work and practice, and growing up with them and some younger guys in Idaho, we kind of had this little group of um, people, you know, kids that were all trying to make it and we all were playing really good. And I think that there's a, there's a Bible verse that talks about iron sharpening iron, but you know, like that idea of having competition all the time and people around, it really did make us all better. And then, and then that led into, you know, I was able to push the team, but I played freshman through senior year in high school we won state every year that I was there. I won state my freshman year as an individual. I had a second and I think a third place finish um, in state. Now the competition wasn't great, 
But I mean, like every year you're playing against my teammates who all went D1 and a few other guys from around the state that went D1. So, you know, we had a handful of guys that you had to go out and beat and play half decent. Um, And, you know, that kind of also gave me the confidence that when I went out and played in some of the bigger tournaments, junior wise, that I could go and, and win and play well. And I was also, you know, my dad always talked about when he was taking me to these tournaments or going through it, because he was kind of my swing coach growing up and working with him. Um, you know, he talked about the fact that, like, you got to go out there and we're playing in these events because you never know when you're going to win or when you're going to play good. So you want to, you know, keep that rolling as much as you can and play in as many events as you can. But then, you know, I broke through and I won one AJGA my junior year. Um, and it was that ping at Carson Creek, which they don't, um, I don't think that course is still there anymore. But then I came back and I won the Claxton event in Auburn, which was pretty cool. And then I came um, in a span of like, it's like the unofficial fastest back-to-back win or something because I flew across the country to go play in this tournament. But it was like a span of like eight or nine days I won two tournaments. And so it just kind of was right timing, right, right, you know, for, for that happening. But the the kind of growing up of being able to kind of play at a lower level and, and learning how to win, learning what took, you know, dealing with pressure, kind of going through it, um, and then kind of being able to also build into – you know, right place, right time, um, taking advantage of some opportunities. And then I, you know, tennis helped with some of the ideas of, um, I still, to this day, I, I love playoffs. I I love pressure. You know, sometimes I play my worst golf when there's nothing on the line and I play my best golf when everything's on the line. And so, you know, those all kind of are things that I learned that work for me that when tournament and you're coming down the stretch, you know, I relied on, Hey, I have a bunch of butterflies or whatever but it's like this is where I want to be and this is what I enjoy doing and so I'm going to go out there and win or you know I'm playing and I'm not really playing great well you know you got to keep your head down and just kind of working through it because you never know when that's going to pop out and I'm sure I didn't realize that at that age but now looking back on it I realize more of it from that standpoint and see more of those uh, kind of tools as I said or kind of attributes. Those are good things to have in your toolbox, and I know that you used them well. You went to Auburn. Tell us about first just what made you want to go to Auburn, commit to there, and playing there, being from Idaho, which is a little bit away from there. So I wanted to go somewhere warm. Uh, just you know, I I made the decision early on that I was going to try and play, you know, more after more golf after college. Um, kind of when I was making that decision. And so I didn't want to just go somewhere just because I wanted to go to that school. It's actually funny. I got a call from Ohio State and I basically turned him down on the phone and he was just calling to ask and, you know, come, just come see the place. Didn't realize the history that the Ohio State golf team has at the time. Now I do. And I was kind of like, well, you should have gone. But, um, and just seen what was there. But, you know, I wanted to go somewhere warm and, I really didn't have a lot of offers just from growing, you know, being a late bloomer and going through it. And so I was just looking for somewhere to play, uh, somewhere that I thought I could be on the team, learn. And I actually was really set on going to Georgia Tech. I wanted to be an engineer um, and I wanted to go there and play. And that was one of the only schools that they kind of touted you could do that um, when I talked to people. I think there and then um, our really good family friend was the um, head coach at Texas A&M at the time. And so I really wanted to go between those two. He told me straight up that they didn't have any spots, you know, for Texas A&M at the time. And I was looking at there and then Georgia Tech. And then when I was going to Georgia Tech, I just uh, ran into the coach at Auburn. That's also a crazy story because – we ran into him in England. I was playing in the British boys junior over there and uh, my mom went to Old Miss. And so she saw the Auburn stuff and she went over and just started heckling him um, in an SEC banner. She wasn't even talking about golf. Then he kind of, you know, just talked nicely with her and then realized that she was, you know, a parent of somebody and I was actually playing good. So all those things kind of aligned. But then he invited me to come down because he heard that I was coming through Georgia Tech. So I went there. 
I actually had a terrible visit. Even coach will tell you, he's like, I did not think you were going to come to Auburn. Um, it just was really fast. My dad ended up in the ER and just all this stuff happened. I mean, it was just, it was terrible. The way coach handled it and the way he took care of me through the whole process and tried to help out and do stuff. Um, I really resonated with that in the sense that like I, he was more than just a golf coach for me. And so that was somebody that I wanted to play with, you know, for and, and be a part of. And I really liked Auburn. I really liked the area too. And so, you know, fast forward to, to today, um, I still talk with coach a little bit and go through some stuff. And um, that was my big thing that I still tell, you know, juniors and, and kids growing up is that you want to kind of find somebody that you want to have as a coach, but you also want to find somewhere that you enjoy because uh, unfortunately golf's not in the cards for everybody for the rest of their life. And so you want to find something like, you know, I could have seen myself at Auburn without golf as well. You were able to get right into the lineup. You averaged 74 and a half in your freshman year. And I believe you took a red shirt in your sophomore year, but then by 2017, 2018, you were back in the lineup and you were down to average 73.33. Um, now, did you, I'm just curious, did you have a, an injury in your sophomore year or did you just take a red shirt to gain more experience? Yeah. So um, freshman year I came in and I actually qualified for the first event. Um, and at the time the rules were if you play one event or whatever, you burn the season. It's a little bit different now, I think, but you know, they're doing some stuff with like football. You can play like four games and, and have a redshirt season. And I don't exactly know the rules. Um, but, but that was kind of the, the thing was I came in freshman year. Um, we had a big class. We had four freshmen and I'm pretty sure all four of us qualified for that event, um, to go. And, and so we, we went to that tournament. I think there was like seven guys. And, um, that was eye opening Cause I think I shot like 81 one round. I played good in the qualifying. Um, I played again against a bunch of guys and probably just kind of got a smidge lucky through qualifying. Cause we had about six or seven rounds, but you know, that was nice from that standpoint because it, it gave me the opportunity to continue playing that year. And I think I played in like five or six events for the rest of the year. Um, didn't play great was a, a little upset that I didn't get to qualify for the, you know, travel team at postseason, but I kind of realized afterwards, you know, I wasn't quite ready for it. Um, and then sophomore year, we came back in, I played some decent golf, um, but I didn't qualify for any event in the fall. And so when you do that as a player, you kind of sit there and you go like, Hey, you know, maybe I'll just redshirt for the spring. You know, I haven't qualified for any events yet. It's going to be hard to make it in the lineup and go, Vice versa, we had a kid that did the same thing as me, but he qualified for the first event of spring and then played really good. So, you know, it goes both ways. But um, we were playing our first tournament of the year in spring is always Hawaii. And we were playing that qualifier and we got to, I think it was like six rounds. And we got to like round four or five and I was kind of on the bubble. And I just had a conversation with coach and we were talking about it. And it just made more sense to kind of, you know, take that year and kind of still build on some stuff and go through it. And, and in doing so, I was able to go play in some amateur events and things um, outside the season, which ultimately led it up to, if I wouldn't have taken that year, um, I wouldn't have got the COVID year that I got. So I ended up being there for six years, um, which is crazy. But, um, you know, that it, it ended up being the right decision and the, it was, it was a hard one, but, um, there's no injuries or anything like that. It's just kind of the way the golf seasons work, um, was kind of the, the reason behind it. I think that was a really mature decision and not a decision that all college players at that age would have made. And it looks like you made, you know, you made the most out of it. You ended up winning three times in college and you were the co-medalist at the, uh, 2019 SEC championship. So what took place between, you know, the times that you were struggling to qualify for the five and then finishing at the top of the SEC? Well, we had a, we had a phenomenal group. Um, you know, when I came in as a freshman, we were number one in the country um, and we had the number one player in the country, uh, Michael Johnson. And, uh, and he was, I mean, he was playing really, really good golf. Um, he was a fifth year senior 
graduated um and then he went on and got a spot in the barbers hall which was out at our home course or one of the courses we play and he finished like one shot out of a playoff for first so i think he finished like third or something but and and basically just barely missed his pga tour card that year um and played in like the sanderson and some other stuff and he's been on corn ferry for a while but you know he was the head of the team but there was a lot of other guys that have played and, and are playing still that were on this team and gone through it when you come in as a freshman, you think you're going to play, you know, you think you're going to be the next id and come through it. And there's some guys, um, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be with some friends with some of the younger guys that have come through and, and done really well. And there's always going to be a handful that, you know, make a, make a wake. But for me, when I came in, I was used to playing junior golf and some amateur events and not on really good courses and not on bent gra- or Bermuda grass. And so I had a learning curve, you know, that I had to kind of get over um, with everything and then kind of getting comfortable in the situation. You know, college is a big step and there's a lot of different things that pull you different directions. And so that was kind of the just of what I needed to kind of get over. And it helps that I had a good coach around me. It helped that I had a good team. Uh, You know, I wasn't necessarily best friends with a bunch of the guys coming in um, freshman year, but after being there for five or six years, you know, like we're really good. There's my roommate, for instance, we're really good friends now, um, and talk a lot. And, and so it's, you know, you do a lot of growing up too. Um, and I think that plays a part in it, but you know, from the golf standpoint, like Auburn was one of those facilities where you got everything there. And if you don't get better, that's on you. You know, we always said that when we were talking to different people is like, we had the facilities, you got the range, you got golf courses. I mean, we had, we have like five golf courses in the area that all have different features to them. Beautiful facilities that coach has done a phenomenal job at. And if you didn't get better at a program like that, then, then you're not going to get better anywhere. Um, and that was kind of the, the mentality that I had was I was just putting my head down and working because I wanted to be in that lineup. I wanted to play, you know, I wanted to go represent the team. And then once you start representing the team, then it's okay. Now I want to go win for the team. I want to go win for the school. I want to go play best I can. And, and that's that's kind of, for me at least, that was kind of the driving force and, and pushing, you know, the difference between that. They, I think they showed a really cool stat, but I basically dropped a shot on my scoring average every year that I was in college for the first five years. I think I started at 74 and a half and got it down to like 69 and a half or something like that. Um, and that's probably one of my more proud achievements because that's all just work. I mean, that's all just learning more about the game, you know, learning this and learning how to hit shots that you don't have or learning how to play these kind of golf courses. And, um, so that was, that's kind of in a nutshell, that's kind of the, the basis for kind of building that slow kind of increase that, you know there's some guys that jump and, and spike real quick, but a lot of guys need to just kind of um, slowly build up. One of the things that stuck out to me from what you said earlier and what you said there is the, you can see the fingerprints of the coaching that you've had, not only from your dad, but from your head coach at Auburn. I know, uh, I think it's Nick Kleiner you guys have. And then also you guys are blessed. I think Corey Maggard is there. And then I think Buddy Alexander also helps you out. And we talked with a guy who used to play under Buddy Alexander of Florida and had nothing the best, nothing but the best to say about him. Tell us a little bit about what that coaching experience was like for you, having everybody on your team as far as like all three of those guys around and what that added to your growth in college. That whole group made me a better player, but they also made me a better person. Uh, and, and that's that was a big thing for me, at least. You know, some guys just want to play golf, but um, that had a that had a big deal to do with a lot of stuff. And we had, so you're right, we had Nick there, and we had we had Corey, um, and then Buddy came in kind of um, towards the end of my my years there, and then. Um, we also had some really good players around, like uh, Jason Duffner still hung, hangs his hat in Auburn, so he was around. Uh, Blaine Barber was playing a bunch and, and playing good, so he, he was around playing with us. And then 
from my freshman year to senior year, um, or sixth year, senior year, the guys that had graduated, they all kind of came back and, and played. So you had a lot of, you had a lot of talent, you had a lot of coaching, and then you had a lot of different opinions and things going around. And it was pretty cool because, you know, you would sit there and listen to coach talk with one player about something in his swing or his game. And then you'd hear buddy talking about this and, um, buddy was great because buddy brought an old school approach to the program and you kind of go talk to him about different things, which was really fun because he's been a, a head coach for a phenomenal team for a bunch of really good players. Um, and then, you know, Nick's doing a really good job of, kind of building a player resume as well too with the guys that have kind of been under him and gone through it. And, um, and then, and, and Corey just was, I mean, he, he did everything he possibly could to make us better. It was really cool because we were really close with Corey. Um, he's, he's kind of moved on to a different position. He doesn't coach anymore. And they have, they have, uh, Chris Williams in there now, who's a phenomenal player and he brings a whole new dynamic to that. But, you know, Corey did a lot for us from, a technical side and he was really smart with like numbers and and kind of the things going on and so all of those pieces fit really well together and i think that was something especially if if i was talking to you know a junior golfer or someone who's looking to to get into a program there was no worry about our head coach was going to leave or move there was no um you know hesitation of like oh i really don't like this coach or you know i don't like this it was you know from day one we might not have always seen eye to eye or gone through, but I knew that the coaching staff had my best interest in, in, in mind. They wanted me to play the best golf. And then if I went out and played like good golf always takes care of everything. And so that was kind of the mindset of like, Hey, we're going to help you. We're going to make you do it, but you make the right choices. You go do the right things. We're going to put the things around you to get better. But you know, at the end of the day, you got to figure out how to go play good golf and we'll, we'll do whatever we can for you. Um, and so it was, it was really in, instrumental for, for me and a lot of guys. And I think, you know, I, th I think that this, that, that program set up something really special. And I think you'll see it in a few years once, once the guys start making it on tour and kind of moving out. I believe in it. It sounds like you had a good structure there, as you said, tell us a little bit about what, how that structure approached playing tournaments in college. What was tournament prep like for you? What did the coaches teach you and what did you do together as an individual and as a team to prepare for a tournament? Yeah, no, I mean, we, we prepared, I, we probably prepared harder in college than I do now for professional golf. And that's probably something that I maybe should look into. Um, but I mean, like it, you know, when you have such great facilities and you have such great resources, you know, Corey and, and Nick did such a great job of leaving no stone unturned. I mean, we, we had tons of stats rounds. Like we posted all of our qualifying and all of our tournament stats. We, we went through everything. They'd break it down by year, by semester, by this, by that, you know, we, we worked a little bit with some decade guys and did some stuff and, and they were really good at talking with, you know, our personal coaches, if we have them and setting up, you know, how does this guy going to play well? And how's this guy going to do well? Um, the year that I played really good at sea Island and in, in SECs, I was battling kind of a hook <laughs> and um, I, I hit a lot of two irons and a lot of like six, seven, five irons into the greens. And that course is not really receptive for those. But for me, like that was the best way for me to play it. And then I just tried to putt as good as I can. And that week I putted phenomenal. And you know that it, it just, we, we did a really good job of, recognizing each player is a little bit different in how the approach is. And we would take the time to focus on, you know, we'd sit down the night before a round and we'd go through the yardage book and we would, we would discuss, we would say, Hey, I think this is the play. And one guy, you know, might have reservations or this or that, but you know, we had a game plan and then we tried to execute it and, and your game plan changes as the day goes on. But, um, you know, I think they did a really, really good job of just setting us up for success. And then we were as successful as we wanted to be um, in that program. Yeah, it sounds like you really had a an incredible like support system there and just good overall um, development for professional golf, um, which you said, you know, you decided early on that you wanted to play 
after college. And you turned professional in kind of a strange time during COVID. There was no no corn fairy Q school and there was the form tour going on. Um, but I believe you Monday qualified into a Latin America event and finished tied for fifth in that first event, which is really, you know, that's a really tough way to gain status, but you know, that's how you got your Latin America tour cards. So talk about that start of your professional career. Yeah, no, it was, it was kind of crazy. There was some talk that they were going to offer like a seventh year for guys that had dealt with some COVID issues and things like that. And there was kind of like an outside bubble of like possibility that I could do it. And I just was like, I just want to move on. I've been in college enough. Like let's, let's move on and get this stuff done. But yeah, I, I stepped out and it, it kind of goes back to the same thing I did as a junior golfer um, in, in kind of building, you know, that, that status to play in AJGAs, if you want to call those kind of the tour. I just tried to find something to play in. And <laughs> funny story with the Monday qualifier for that Latin event is I signed up for it and I didn't know what I was qualifying for. I just saw it was a qualifier. It had 10 spots and it was in Miami. So I went and I played. Um, I had I was working with some guys to find mini tour events, you know, in South Dakota or wherever to just try to go play. I was working with those schedules and um, I played that, that qualifier. I got through, I, I, shot five under four under was in a playoff and it was a big playoff. It was like 17 for like two. And I walked in after and I said, Hey, I think I qualified. I don't know what I qualified for. Can you tell me what I get? And the guy was like, Oh yeah, you qualified for our tournament that we're going to run, you know, in, in five days is when it, you know, the, the tournament week starts. Cause this qualifier was like on a Tuesday or a Monday or a Wednesday. Um, and then it was the following week. And so I was like, okay, cool. And it was at the same course we played. So I flew, I basically flew back to Auburn, um, packed up my bag and everything, and then flew back down for the tournament. So I flew down for the qualifier, flew back up to the tournament because I was going to drive my car north, but turned around and flew back down. Then I qualified into that tournament, finished fifth, um, and then they go, Hey, the next week is in Bucaramanga, Colombia. And I was like, uh, where I had to book a last minute flight because I, I top 10. So I get into the next event. So I booked a last minute flight. Thank the Lord. I actually, I met a couple people through the event and they steered me towards a guy who had a room with an extra bed in it. So I got a, I got a bed. I actually travel with this guy a bunch now. And so that's kind of been really cool, but you know, like, I didn't know what I was doing, um, but I got on this flight. I went to Colombia. Then the next week, um, I flew from Colombia to Ecuador, and I got into Ecuador. I, I didn't play good. I didn't make it through the Monday. I, they gave me a sponsor's invite um, because I was high up on the points list. I didn't make it make the cut. So I flew back to the States, and then in a week and a half, they had the Tour Championship, and I went and played, made enough points to – I made the cut, made enough points to keep my card, and that's just kind of how it just – spitballed it just kind of rolled i mean it 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 was kind of crazy um i did that and then i mondayed for like three form events and i got a sponsor's invite into the auburn form event so i played half a season out there and played uh in the championship there and didn't make enough to keep a card but you know that was a good experience i've played with a lot of guys that are playing on corn ferry right now but yeah, it was hectic. It was crazy. But I just kept doing the same thing that I kind of did when I was younger is, you know, I just kept finding an opportunity and and driving and going and playing. Um, one of the Mondays I drove 10 hours to go play a practice round to play for um, the Monday the next day. And I qualified into the tournament and did that. Um, and I made the cut at the tournament before, then drove 10 hours, played in that, and then drove 10 hours back to where that tournament was because they were having another mini tour event there. So you just, you, sometimes you just got to go. I mean, it's sometimes it's just go and do it, but yeah, it was hectic. It was crazy. And if I wouldn't have done it, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at right now. So when it came to qualifying for that, you've got your spot, you got status on Latin America tour. Tell us a little bit about what it's been like playing on there and traveling around, especially I know tournament golf is hard in general. Traveling for tournaments can be hard in general. And then traveling in foreign countries to play golf can be also hard. Tell us a little bit about your experience there. 
well, it was already difficult to travel down there. And then you throw in the COVID restrictions and everything the first year. And that was fun. But yeah, no, it's been, it's been a, it's been a grind. It's not always the most fun for my background. You know, I, I don't really know Spanish. Um, it's better now, but, but it's still horrible. Um, and, you know, growing up in, you know, Boise, Idaho, and I'm in Argentina or Colombia or, you know, Chile, completely different cultures. But there's a lot of fun that's been um, a part of it as well. And, and meeting people. I like traveling. And even for me that I like traveling, it's a lot of traveling. So you combined not the best golf courses all the time, or not the best setups as far as like, you know, tough hotels and rough food and this and that and and then you combine and you have to play good and you know to i think down there like you need to finish around 22nd or better to just kind of break even on the week you know all of that goes into a lot of stress that you're under and go through it but it also there's a lot of guys that talk about if you can travel and play on a tour like that you can basically travel and play anywhere and so that's that's kind of one of the bigger understandings of that tour is really focusing on like hey this is this is the tour that's going to help kind of mold you and kind of put you in the fire. Um, and when you come out, you got to still kind of beat on, you know, get hammered on and kind of work on some stuff. And, um, but ultimately you're going to come out, you know, better from it. And it's been a really cool experience. Um, if anybody gets a chance that's listening to this or goes through it, you know, I recommend going and playing. It's tough. There's a lot of things that can happen. You might get robbed. You might get this, you might get that, whatever. But like, you know, it's going to stick stick with me for a lifetime of the things I've been able to do. So, um, I got really cool stories. I, I made new friends. Um, I got friends in Colombia and Argentina that I never would have thought of. I'd, I'd have friends down there. So, um, you know, it, it, it's been a really cool experience, but it's difficult. It's hard. And from the golf side, it's really, it really does make your game better because you got to learn how to travel and, change grasses altitude and i mean we played one week at like nine thousand feet and then the next week we played at like two thousand so you really it really puts you through the fire but ultimately it'll make you a better player what's the difference playing down there you, you noted like some of the differences as far as like how much you can move in altitude is there a difference as far as like the ease or ability to do tournament prep when you're down there and what do you do for tournament prep when on the road like that yeah you just gotta kind of make a schedule make a plan for what you need you know personally i've gotten some i struggled the first year getting in the gym just with traveling and going through it so i got real tired towards the end of the year saw some fatigue some distance loss things like that realized it's how important it is to be you know in the gym moving and active and kind of going through it so um you know i've made a priority to start doing that so you just have to find those those areas that you have deficiencies at and kind of plan those and then traveling down there in tournament prep, you know, you might, you might get one practice round, you make the cut, you played a Sunday, then you fly to a different uh, country on Monday and you won't get in until, you know, mid to late afternoon. By the time you get to the hotel, you can't get out to the course. So you come out Tuesday and you play a six hour practice round because professional golfers are slow. And then, Wednesday, they have the pro-am. So if you're not in the pro-am, you can't play on the course. So you do a little bit of, you know, practicing and stuff, keep yourself occupied. And then Thursday's the first round. And so you just gotta, you kind of set your week up so you know what you're going to try to accomplish, how you're going to do it. And then you go and make the best of it. And, and, um, you'd be a little bit fluid and understand that it's not always going to work out the way you want, but that's the best way to, to prep for it is you just gotta, everywhere's different everybody's going to have their own kind of different style but you know some guys need more time on the range with the track man or whatever to hit balls some guys need to putt more some guys need to see the course more it's really just finding out what your strengths are what you need to work on and then um, you know putting the effort into those to try to get a little bit comfortable you know with the golf course i like spending time at the golf course because that's where i feel the like safest and the most you know normal so to say but some countries i really enjoy i really enjoy bogota and i really enjoy uh quito which is in ecuador so you know i like going around the city and stuff like that sometimes too just to break up the weeks and 
feel like you are a little bit of a tourist because you are. But yeah, that's how you prepare and get ready for them is you just, you kind of work with yourself to get a plan and then you go down there and you stick to it. Better you can execute the plan, the better you can uh, play. I was talking to one of our friends who currently plays on Latin America tour a little while ago. And he was, he was talking to me about one of the unexpected or well th- things I didn't think about that was, you know, a tough thing that he was trying to figure out is, you know, what to do for a caddy down there. And, you know, he wasn't going to bring a caddy down there because it, it's obviously an added expense. And he was trying, he was telling me that a lot of guys do local caddies, but um, that's hard as well because, you know, these employees of the clubs don't always know uh, the best English. And so he was telling me how hard that is. What are you going to do for a caddy on the Latin America tour? And how have you worked through that? It is difficult. There's some career caddies, as I, I like to call them. Um, you know, every tour has guys that it's their career just to go out and be a caddy and do whatever. And so there's some guys that are pretty good, some guys that have learned some English. Um, I figured out last year in playing that uh, I do pretty good carrying the bag for two days um, and then picking up a caddy on the weekend. So you kind of, you, you deal with a lot of things of like, how do I best tournament prep? How do I, you know, do it cost effectively? How do I play my best golf? So you have to do like, you know, you have a lot of ways that you're pulled. And so for me, I just felt like, I don't feel like if I go miss the cut and I've paid a caddy all this money for the week that he didn't really help me, that it's a big deal. But then also like I'm making a little bit of money for making the cut. So I don't mind paying somebody to carry the bag. It keeps me fresh, you know, towards we're going down there for three weeks coming up. That third week is a tough week because we've been down there for so long. You know, you, it's a lot of golf, a lot of walking, a lot of going, you know, doing stuff. So in that sense, it's nice to have the caddy and have somebody there to help you kind of stay, you know, fresh. But, you know, I've also just made some friends with some of the caddies and some of the different people. And depending on the event, it's harder when you don't know where, what the course is going to be like. Uh, I've been down there for a year and a half now, so I have an understanding of what the courses are going to look like. So I know which events um, we're going to play in Brazil. It's the third week of this coming stretch probably end up getting a caddy for that week tougher golf course to walk it'll just be easier the first week we're playing in uh, brazil and it's relatively flat or uh, argentina it's relatively flat course and um it's just going to be hot so me carrying a bag for a couple days is not that bad um so that so that's kind of the way that i approach it and go through it but your friend's right i mean it's it's kind of a crab shoot. I've gotten one guy that spoke no English whatsoever, one guy that thought he could speak English, but he couldn't, and then one guy that actually spoke English. So, you know, it's it's difficult. You mentioned that one of the things that was difficult to do, at least in your first time down there, was getting to the gym and working out, and that caused you by the end of the season to be a little bit tuckered out. Tell us a little bit about what you've done, what's your, what's your workout program look like just in general? And then when you're on the road like that, what have you done to ameliorate that issue? Yeah. So it took me a while to kind of get comfortable with the gym. Um, I never was a gym guy. I always just liked hitting golf balls. And so when we were at Auburn, we had a really cool strength coach. We would work out three times a week. Um, you know, just, lot of golf specific stuff a lot of golf related things especially towards yourself we would do kind of body assessments and go through it in that i've gained i've gained a lot of resources and a lot of um contacts and people that i can talk to through kind of that aspect of of just how to work out and go through it um but you know in latin america it was like one week you might be staying at an airbnb at so you're at someone's house and there's no free weights or anything like that so you're not going to be working out um, and one week you might be at a host hotel and they might have a couple dumbbells. And then one week you might be at a nice hotel and they might actually have a, you know, weight room kind of thing. So it's really hit or miss for what you have and what you don't have. Some guys are way better at it than others. I've started kind of working. Um, there's a product out now with that golf forever. Um, and, I, and I got one of those just kind of to give me some some more tools to use and go down. And I'm enjoying that because I can take it and, you know, kind of do it wherever. But, you know, there's guys that will bring down resistance bands or, 
um, foam rollers or this or that, you know, they, they, they learn, uh, what they need, what weeks and where, and then they kind of plan and go through it. So for me, um, I kind of have a setup plan. Um, I don't work with any trainers at the moment, but, um, I have a lot of old workouts and, and kind of for, formulated workouts that have been tailored towards kind of the golf team and golf specific stuff. Um, that I've kind of put into a routine and then I'll use kind of the swing trainers and stuff with the golf forever to kind of go through a program there. A lot of it's not anything more than staying loose, staying, you know, flexible, being consistent. So your body doesn't feel bad. And then kind of just being able to, you know, you travel on a plane for nine hours, just something to move, you know, other than carrying a golf bag or swinging a club. You know, I knew you have the Latin America season coming up shortly. And I know some guys like to write out goals. Um, some guys don't like to write out goals. And, you know, it's up to you whether or not you want to have specific goals or not. But I'm just curious, do you have specific goals for this upcoming season? Or are you kind of just of the mindset, you know, I just want to play the best I can and see what happens? Yeah, so I, I'll be honest, I don't have any like specific goals written out or, or kind of laid out. I've gone back and forth with that, like... I think it's good to have goals and a target. You don't want to just aim, you know, blindly, but also at the same time, like there's people that would say goals are sometimes restrictive. Maybe you're kind of, you know, you, if you don't achieve them, then it kind of really hurts you and you want to kind of just work on continually getting better and, you know, the process and just working through it. I don't think either one of them is wrong. I know like for me, just um, specifically with that goal of, the tour and the way it's set up, like I want to get more status. So obviously it kind of already has a goal in there of being inside the top. I think it's 10 now. It used to be 25 would get you to second stage, but I think it's 10 now. I don't really exactly know, but you know, like that's kind of the, the threshold at least. And then from there, it's like, how do we, you know, how do we go win in Latin America? Well, right now, it's actually kind of nice, but not really like the three guys that won the first three events that we played for the season. They're all corn fairy guys, so they won't really play much more. Um, so it opens the door for a lot of guys to go play and, and maybe get some status. That being said, they might come down later. Who knows? You know, it already kind of has that built in like money list, like this is where you want to be. But then also for me, I made eight of 12 cuts last year and I'm at one of three for this year. So, you know, it'd be nice to go hit you know, eight or nine cuts again and, and play well. My best finish was 22nd or 24th last year. And then my best finish on tour is fifth. So it'd be nice to go get some top 20s and then, you know, possibly break up top five. And if I do that, that's probably putting me inside the top 10. So, you know, those are all goals that I have in the back of my mind that I'm striving for and going through. They might just not be on paper. When it comes to the challenge of having, you know, a tournament season and stuff like that. How do you manage expectations, especially like, you know, you're playing, as you said, it's embedded into the system. Like you're playing for money kind of, but you're playing for status. You want more status. You want better status. You want X, Y, or Z. How do you kind of manage those expectations when really like right now, the goal is to get the ball in the hole in as few strokes as possible and not look forward as much. I think you have to just go look at it as a competition in the sense of like, you need to just go out and win and beat, beat guys, you know, that the, the adage of good golf takes care of itself. Like you go win an event status takes care of itself. Um, you know, tournaments take care of itself at that point, you get more tournaments to go play in, uh, you get more opportunities. That's kind of the whole thing. Um, and so that's something that I try to do is like, I look at it individually, each tournament, how can I go out and be the best version of myself and go win this event? And then you look at it afterwards and you go, what did I do wrong? What can I get better at? What did I do right and want to continue doing? And then from there, you know, how do we implement those changes or those fixes into the next week? And then you go into the next week and you try to figure out how to win that event. And if you do that and you kind of stay focused on just trying to go play the best each week and win and go do that from a comp, like from a competitive side. Yeah. It means a lot to you. You want to go, you know, beat up and those, those birdies towards the end, if you're not in competition or whatnot, you know, they mean a lot, but also that kind of takes care of that, like looking too far ahead or, you know, or 
constantly looking at the money list and knowing that you're 66 on the money list and you know you need to be top 60 to get your card or all this stuff like there will be a point in your career where it's basically like you got to go and you just got to play you got to make the cut and you got to win well whatever that number is or what it is like you still got to go play so if you just go focus every event you go try to play the best that you can you go try to beat and win that event and beat all the guys and be the best each day it really does kind of it it sounds really simple it's hard but it simplifies it down to the point where it's like you you kind of stay in the present and stay in the moment it's cool kind of hearing that come full circle your dad telling you when you're younger like we just got to go play these tournaments give ourselves opportunities and see what happens and it's the, the same thing as it was you know 20 years ago it is now uh, so with, with that in mind, the last question we ask every guest is if you could go back to yourself as a junior golfer and tell yourself just one thing, what would that one thing be? Wow. Be a lot of things. I think one overarching kind of probably for me at least, and maybe some guys in my generation or younger might resonate it when they get older is just like the patience, understanding that some guys are going to go out and play and they're going to play really good and go play, you know, phenomenal. And we live in a world that wants everything right away. You know, we want to be number one, this number one, junior, number one here, number one, there, everybody puts names and stuff on you. And sometimes there's a lot of, I know a lot of guys who are, you know, playing corn fairy that never broke the top 500 in the wagger rankings or, you know, they weren't that good at junior golfers. Um, you know, everybody's got a little bit different story and just a little bit of patience and a little bit of hard work. Um, I think they go a long way. Well, perfect. We appreciate it. Where can people find you on social media or reach out to you if they got any additional questions or anything like that? Yeah. So I got all the standard social medias. Uh, so Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's all just my name. So Grayson Huff. Um, I think Twitter handle is AU Spud Farmer. But yeah, those are all places you can reach out and kind of see my journey and, and jump in and watch it go. Um, I'm working on kind of a, a website sort of thing right now for my professional golf. So just the social medias at this point and then Probably that website will pop up at some point on there as well. Make sure to give Grayson a follow and also make sure to give us a follow. If you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, please subscribe and leave us a rating. Helps us get our message out to more people. And if you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe. You can find us on Twitter at Tournament Code and on Instagram at The Tournament Code.